Hey everybody, welcome to episode 49 of Junior Golf Keys. I'm your host, Matt, and I just want to thank you guys for tuning in this week. I really appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate you tuning in every week and uh, leaving your comments and leaving your reviews. Uh, It's been really helpful. I've been able to uh, connect with some of you via email, via social media, uh, gather some feedback, and, um, you know, really learn from you guys on, you know, how do you think this podcast is going the things that are helping you, some more information that could be helpful for you guys to learn about. So I always encourage you to connect with me on social media. You can email me at juniorgolfkeys at gmail.com. Um, and I would really appreciate it if you guys have been listening to this podcast for a little while, or if this is maybe just your first couple episodes that you're listening to, um, go over to the podcast platform that you listen on and leave a review. I'd love to see some of the comments as well. Um, all of that information collectively, you know, us connecting on social media, the emails, the reviews, all that stuff just really gives me a holistic view of, you know, how the podcast is doing and what you guys need from it. Uh, that way I can go out and find good guests that are going to support you in that way. So, um, always encourage you to do that and always appreciate it. So thank you very much. Uh, I've got a great guest for us this week. Um, if you've been around the world of junior golf, then you have heard the name Alexa Pano. Uh, Alexa is a 2020 grad. She's 15 years old and currently ranked number 33 in the world amateur golf rankings. Uh, She's been as highly ranked as number 19 in the Wagger rankings. So uh, she's ranked number three in the Rolex AJGA rankings. Uh, Alexa is a three-time, was a three-time drive, chip, and putt finalist. Uh, She was a five-time winner of the U.S. Kids Golf World Championships and a three-time winner of the IMG Academy Junior World Championships. Um, That's just a very small snip, very small highlight of what she's accomplished in her career. Um, I'm going to go into some of that because I think it's really going to give you guys a really good picture of who we're talking to today. And in my opinion, Alexa is one of the best young female golfers um, ever in the junior ranks and uh, has a really promising future ahead of herself. So uh, really excited to have her on because I think she's got some great value to share with you guys uh, that you're going to be able to take away and hopefully apply in your own journeys. So just want to go through and highlight some of her uh, recent tournament accomplishments. Uh, we actually caught up with Alexa uh, this week while she was uh, finishing up the U.S. Women's Amateur. Um, unfortunately, didn't make it to match play this year, uh, but last year she took ninth uh, in the U.S. Women's Amateur. So um, definitely got some game. But just to kind of run through some of the highlights, um, obviously we know we went through a period of shutdown with COVID-19. Um, so you know tournaments have kind of been sporadic, and we had a little bit of a pause in tournament play. But uh, prior to that. Uh, Alexa did win the 2020 Kathy Whitworth Invitational, and she took second at the 2020 Sally uh, Tournament. In 2019, she won the Rolex Girls Junior, the Scott Robertson Memorial, and the Dustin Johnson World Junior. Um, she was also members of or a member of the Ping Junior Solheim Cup team, the Wyndham Cup team. And uh, like I said, she took ninth in the U.S. Women's Amateur. 
she was the youngest player to play in the inaugural 2019 Augusta National Women's Amateur Championship. Unfortunately, missed the cut, but what a huge accomplishment to be able to make it to that event. Uh, in 2018, she was a member of the Junior Ryder Cup team, and she also took 33rd in the U.S. Women's Amateur uh, as well as participated in the Wyndham Cup. So um, that's just the past couple years of accomplishments for Alexa. I'm probably missing something in there, but as you can see, uh, not only has she been successful, but she's really competed at a high level um, in some tournaments and had a lot of success in those events. Um, you know, in addition to some of those high-level amateur events and high-level junior events, Alexa has actually competed in a number of professional tournaments as well on the Symmetra Tour and the LPGA Tour, um, including the first tournament on the LPGA uh, Japan Tour, uh, which was in 2016. Alexa competed in the Yonix Ladies Open at 11 years old. Um, she's just she's a phenomenal player uh really good personality and definitely somebody that um any young players that are up and coming could model after to uh try to you know reach the success that she has had uh really excited to have her on but you know in some of those symmetric tour events she made the cut uh in about half of them so far she actually took eighth in the sky eye golf championship on the symmetric tour in 2019 um, so a lot of really good success, like I said, uh, definitely missing a couple highlights there, but I think that gives you a pretty good overall picture of what Alexa has accomplished. And so in this interview, we're going to kind of go into um, how she got introduced to the game. We're going to talk about her relationship with her dad. Uh, we're going to talk about her tournament selection and you know how she picks and chooses uh, what types of tournaments that she's going to play in and how she schedules those and stacks them against each other. Uh, we're going to talk about her playing and practice habits. We're going to talk about her mindset, uh, whether that's you know in practice, in uh, just a casual round or a practice round, and then um, as it relates to tournaments. Uh, we're going to touch on college yet. Uh, college. Um, Alexa hasn't you know made that decision yet. Uh, still trying to figure out what she wants to do in terms of college or professional golf. Uh, so we talk a little bit about that. Um, we talk a little bit about you know, her journey and, you know, some things that maybe uh, she wished she would have known or some things she's learned along the way. And she's definitely got some good advice uh, for you young players and young ladies that are out there. Uh, we're also going to touch on the movie that Alexa was a part of called The Short Game uh, that was filmed and it followed around uh, some different junior players that were competing and striving to get to the U.S. Kids Golf World Championships. So Alexa starred in that a few years back. So a uh, lot of good stuff to talk about and uh, really excited to have her on. Before we get into the episode, I want to talk to you about my partner, Golf Kicks. Uh, Golf Kicks has changed the game when it comes to golf shoes. So what they've done is they've given all you sneaker heads out there an opportunity to turn your stylish fashion you know tennis shoes into functional golf shoes so they produce an after aftermarket spike that you can put into those sneakers and you can wear them out on the golf course and they're going to perform like a regular golf shoe would i've got a pair of them uh, that i made i love them i've got comfortable tennis shoes that i can wear with the functionality of a golf spike on them so i would uh, definitely encourage you guys to check out 
Golf Kicks at www.golfkicks.com. They've won some innovation awards uh, from Golf Digest and My Golf Spy, and they even did a deal with Mark Cuban on Shark Tank. So if you head over to www.golfkicks.com and you use the code JGK20, like Junior Golf Keys, JGK20, uh, Golf Kicks will give you 20% off your order today. So head on over to golfkicks.com and check them out. If you guys sit tight, I'll be right back with my interview with Alexa Pano. All right, everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of Junior Golf Keys. Today I'm with Alexa Pano. Alexa, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Um, thanks for taking the time to do this. I'm looking forward to just t- chatting a little bit about your journey and uh, bringing some value to some of these junior golf families and young players that are tuning in. So I appreciate you being on. Yeah, of course. I'm excited to do this. Yeah. Uh, so I just spent, I think, like the last 45 minutes, um, I'm obviously joking, reading through uh, all of your <laughs> Uh, accomplishments and those types of things for our guests so they knew who or for our audience so they knew who we were talking to today but um, you've obviously had a lot of success Um, you just finished Mm up 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 at the U.S. Women's Amateur Um, I know you missed the cut or not missed the cut but didn't make it to match play this year yeah Um, which you know is probably a little bit disappointing but uh, Mm -hmm. at the same time great opportunity for you Um, can you just talk to us a little bit about your journey, how you got introduced to the game of golf? Yeah, um, I grew up on a golf course and golf had kind of been surrounding me my whole life. My dad played and kind of, I played a bunch of different sports, but since I was living on a golf course, I had the chance to go out and watch some different people play. And lucky enough at my golf course, um, Chase Kepka and Brooks Kepka were members there. And so I grew up getting to watch them play a little bit and just high school teams at my course. And it really inspired me to start playing and wanting to be more like them. And so um, I quit playing all other sports, um, even though my dad wanted me to continue with softball because he'd played golf and knew how much of a struggle it was and didn't want me to go through that. But I insisted on continuing with golf. And Mm. so ever since then it took me like two weeks after I started playing to start competing and ever since then I've been competing nonstop except for the pandemic but yeah um yeah it's interesting we've had a little bit of obviously a a wrinkle in you know the golf world or the world in general right now with the pandemic but um you've had an opportunity to get out there and play a little bit I know before everything kind of shut down you won the Kathy Whitworth earlier this year um Mm -hmm. took second at the Sally um, and then you're, you know, back playing in some tournaments right now. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that decision, uh, in terms of sports? So I think that's really interesting. So anybody that knows about junior golf and has heard your name, obviously knows you as a, um, a really well-accomplished player. Uh, but it's interesting to hear you talk about how you played different sports and your dad actually didn't really want you to focus on golf um, you know, focus, wanted you to focus more on softball. So can you kind of talk a little bit about like what went into that decision for you? Cause I think it's really important. There's a lot of families that I've worked with and a lot of families that tune into this that are trying to figure out, you know, when is a good time to specialize in sports? Um, do I have my child play multiple sports? Um, 
so can you kind of just talk about that whole decision and it being your choice and how that was such an important piece of it? Yeah. Um, the biggest thing definitely was that it was my choice. Um, my dad never forced me into any kind of sports. I was entered into a bunch of young age, but it was always my decision what I wanted to continue doing. And I just, for me, I, it was pretty obvious, I think, to my dad, which sports I like, kind of started to move towards and like liked a lot better than the other ones. And in the end, it was softball and golf that I'd kind of shown the most interest in. And then it was up to me. And I was pretty young. So it was quick decision. But I remember just telling my dad that I was not interested in softball anymore. And I just wanted to keep golfing. And this was before I'd played any competitive events. But then I started playing competitively. And that's when I knew that it was basically the perfect decision for me just because I loved the competitiveness of it and just being out there. And it was super clear to me that it was the right choice. Yeah. What things did you, did you hold on to anything from the other sports that you started playing and specifically softball that you've kind of carried into your golf, either your mentality or just skill set? Um, not really. I mean, I played like tennis and stuff like that. And those were, um, or tennis was individual, but I played softball and stuff, or Jesus, soccer. Um, and that was like another team sport and softball was a team sport. So there wasn't too much that I could bring from that to golf as it's such an individual sport. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just when. I did focus on golf. I became just like that one sport athlete. So there wasn't very much for me to bring from the other ones because it was so long ago. But yeah. yeah. Understood. Um, Let's talk a little bit about just kind of your day in, day out. Like obviously you're traveling a lot when you're playing in in events. Uh, Mm -hmm. But when you're home and you're practicing, what does your daily schedule look like? Um, so if it's a pretty normal day, I usually start up going to Joey D's to work out with my friend Paris. Um, we do that together. And then I usually go from there to practice and I'm there for however long I need to be. There's not usually a timestamp on that. And I am homeschooled. So after that is when I get my studying done and do all my homework for that day. Um, and then that's kind of like the end of my day. I do whatever I want with the rest of it, but, um, it's been really nice being homeschooled, giving me more time to get to golf and fitness and all of that, um, without having to stress over missing school days and stuff like that. Um, and over this whole quarantine period, it's been really nice being able to have that extra time to get my schoolwork done and still be able to have long practice days. Yeah. Does that, um, what is that schedule? How does it shift a little bit? Like as you're moving towards a tournament and you're starting to prep for, you know, an event, does it, does it change a little bit? What does that look like for you? Um, well, right before I leave for events, I'd probably say I just start shifting my practice a little bit to adjust for that specific event. But um, when I do get to the golf tournaments, that's kind of when it changes more. I usually get there a little earlier so that I have time to get used to the practice areas and stuff like that. And kind of one of my main things is 
I'll either play really early in the morning, like the day before the event, or I'll only play nine holes just because I feel like most of my work is done in the practice leading up from home or practice when I get there early, not like the day before an event. So that's kind of one of my rules is that you want like all of your work to be done before you get there, not like when you're there having to work on things. Yeah. Are you speaking to like your technical work and just, you know, prep and game plan for the tournament? Um, I, most of these courses I haven't seen before. So obviously game plan, game plan kind of has to happen there, but all the technical work and stuff like that, I'm not one who wants to be like working on a million different things like the day before event. I usually try and have that like prepared before I leave for the event. Yeah. Why is that so important? Sorry, what? Why is that so important? Um, for me, I like to keep it simple with what I'm doing. And I feel like if I'm thinking about technical thoughts or stuff that is more for the range, um, I'm not able to like fully focus on the golf course and getting that game plan, like you mentioned. And so when you're thinking about a bunch of different things, it's harder to focus on the important things like green speed and learning the golf course. And so being prepared before you get there is a really big deal so that you can put all of your energy into learning the course. Yeah. So you mentioned, um, I can't remember exactly what you said, but, um, mentioned mindset Mm -hmm. a little bit there. Um, how does your mindset change when in, in these different environments. So in practicing, um, in playing maybe a casual round or, or a practice round, I guess, and then playing an actual tournament round is, can you kind of take us through where your mindset is in those kind of three different stages? Um, yeah, my mindset in practice is usually just focusing on getting my technique right. And, um, working on things that I would have done wrong in my last event. And that's kind of what I put all of my focus into and making corrections and stuff. And then once I'm there going through practice rounds and stuff, I'm kind of shifted to just thinking about the course and trying to get prepared and getting really comfortable so that I'm not overthinking when I go to play the golf tournament. And then obviously when I'm playing in the event, it's more of like the competitive mindset where solely focused on the golf tournament and doing the best that you can on every single shot. Um, One of the things that has been really helpful for me in practice is you're kind of trying to prepare, like you don't want to be going through the motions in your practice. It's for me, I kind of try and prepare every practice, like it's a tournament and um, take it more seriously rather than just like going through the motions, especially during this whole pandemic period, because you don't know what you're working towards for the next event. Right. And so I've really had to learn how to get more focused on the practice team and stay focused. Yeah. So can we go into that a little bit Mm -hmm. further? I think that that's something that, you know, in my experience and, you know, some of the other golf instructors that I've uh, spoke with over the years, I think one of the things that kind of stands out in the junior golf space sometimes is, uh, you know, kind of two different schools of thought or just, I guess, approaches to practice. I mean, you have your players that are extremely focused when they're out there practicing, uh, you know, one shot at a time, like you mentioned, you know, kind of a trying to simulate or replicate, you know, a tournament, you know, prep or tournament scenario. Um, And then you've got, you know, a segment of players too, that are just kind of out there beating balls. Um, So I kind of, I just want to go, I think, I think the way that you approach it, obviously it's, 
yielded you a lot of success, but I really love the approach. Can you just go a little bit deeper into that? Like give us some more details around how you stay focused and um, you know, what that practice session actually looks Mm -hmm. like. Um, I'm really lucky to have my dad involved with my golf game because um, it prevents me from, like you said, getting into kind of that just beating balls and hitting shot after shot. He's always there making sure that I'm like focusing on every swing and not getting ahead of myself and just hitting balls and going nowhere with it. And um, ever since I was young, I've had like kind of a practice routine that I've really stuck to so that I can get the most out of what I'm doing because I feel like um, like I kind of mentioned, you're getting ready for a golf tournament, but you want to be prepared before you get there. So if I'm just kind of beating right. balls and going through the motions, I'm not going to be fully prepared for when I get to that event. So having my routine yeah. and my dad has been super helpful for me to do that. So what is that routine? If you don't mind um, sharing. It's kind of, I start out with a lot of my wedges, um, because I feel like especially the yardages that we're playing, um, you're like 120 yard and in shots are super vital. And that's where I spend most of my time. And then I'll obviously work through my golf bag. And then when I'm on the putting green, I start out with drills for my start line and then my speed. And then I have another kind of routine that I've been doing ever since I was younger, which is like, it's kind of weird, but, and then, I (laughs) try and focus a lot on short games. So just as much chipping and putting as I do on my long game, Um, which I feel like sometimes when with juniors, if they're not out there with a parent or someone like showing them how to do this, it's something that they like really forget is they're spending way too much time on like their drivers and just beating balls on the range rather than like Mm -hmm. giving equal amounts of time to everything. Yeah. Um, so if you're talking to the, some of those junior players, as you referenced that, you know, maybe practice that mm-hmm. way. Um, can you kind of explain to them why it is so important to focus on the short game? Yeah. Um, that's where you're going to make up the most shots in golf. Um, you can't expect yourself to be perfect with your irons and your driver on every single hole. Um, and there's going to be times where you need to make up shots from a missed error or to even make a bird it's always going to come down to kind of that short game of putting and usually even if you're having a week if your short game and putting super solid you're never going to be too far off and so I think that's super important to just always staying consistent with your game if you have those two solid things yeah a conversation I've had recently with a couple players and, and coaches as well is what does the short game do to your approach game? And so what I mean by that is uh, if you've got a, a bulletproof short game, uh, do you feel as a player that it takes some pressure off of your approach shots? Um, I mean, I suppose that it could. Yeah. Cause if you're feeling really confident with a putter or your wedges in your hand, it does take some pressure off of it, but as much as the short game is super important to staying like consistent, like I said, you're always going to need that approach game to give you those opportunities. But in the sense that like you can make like a little bit of a miss and not have to worry about it. Sure. Um, because yeah. you have so much confidence in that. And I think especially this past week, that's something 
that I was missing to stay like consistent around the number is that like when I made or like missed a green there was kind of an error with my short game and it would become like a bigger number than it should have been and so definitely to stay consistent the short game takes some pressure off of having to have every shot to every perfect so that you're in like a good position to make par yeah yeah um well let's talk a little bit about your tournaments um obviously you you play in a lot of events Mm -hmm. um and you're you're traveling quite a bit when you're playing in those events um you know i've kind of gone through you know when i was introducing you talking to the audience about you know some of the success that you've had over the past few years and um you know you've had some some really fun uh and successful individual titles Mm -hmm. and then you've played on some teams as well um you know like the Wyndham cup and the junior solheim um what junior rider cup as well um i know you practiced i think too with the did you practice with the curtis cup last yes, year i was and i was probably going to make the team if it weren't for corona so yeah uh, yeah <laughs> minor yeah. detail right <laughs> um let's talk about tournament selection one of the things that i always get questions about um, from, from parents, from families and from young players is, you know, just trying to figure out what are the things that we should be playing in. Um, and something that I've kind of noticed just looking at your events, even though you've had so much success in some high level junior events, it appears to me that you're still stacking your tournament schedule in a way that, you know, you've got some events that you can go in there and, I forget the name of the tournament specifically, but it's a match play tournament that I think you've won like the last five years in a row. Oh, um, probably the Doherty one. I, don't I think yeah, so. That yeah. One. Uh, yeah. So, you know, tournaments where, you know, you feel confident that you can go in and, you know, win every time some tournaments that, Hey, you know, I'm playing against some good competitors and uh, you know, if I bring my best stuff against their best stuff, I'm going to beat them. And then mm. there's some events and specifically for you right now, just, play um you know we're talking about events that are going to push you maybe outside of maybe not necessarily your comfort zone but uh, are going to test your skill level Mm -hmm. a little bit further with your Symmetra Tour events that you've played in and some of the LPGA events that Mm -hmm. you've played in as well so can you kind of talk about the thought process behind how you build out your tournament schedule and you know what other players should be paying attention to as well when they're doing that yeah um Ever since I was young, I've been trying to play up to, like, kind of the next level so that I can, like you said, get that experience and learn what I need to improve on. So when I was, I think, eight years old, I started competing against girls that were 16 to 18 and just trying to match up to them. And by the time that I was, I think, 11, I was able to beat them and be better than them and so for me getting that experience on the Symmetra and the LPGA has been vital and I feel like it's improved my game a lot um as far as my schedule goes for every year I try and play in some events that I enjoy playing in like um like you said the Doherty that one's a really enjoyable event for me and Um, one of the main things that I do is get events kind of bunched together because I like to get into a rhythm and kind of have momentum going into every event. And I think this year that's been the hardest thing for me is not having any momentum going into these events. Um, Because you're just kind of 
you were practicing for like a long time and then it's kind of like you have to get right back into competition yeah and I haven't had any like back-to-back kind of what I'm used to uh, which is something I'm still getting used to but on my usual schedule I'll try and have some events where I'm going like straight from another event right into practice round and right into the tournament just because I like to be in that rhythm and kind of stress myself out in that way I don't know why but (laughs) you work well (laughs) under pressure Uh, yeah but but that's that's a good point right I mean it's almost like you're seems like you're almost simulating that pressure too um in, in a way I mean obviously the events bring real pressure themselves but the way that you're constructing that schedule also you know brings a little bit of an added um pressure to you know just how you're scheduling and how you're preparing and those types of things but then too also like you said um keeps you in a pretty good rhythm yeah I mean for me my first AJJ Invitational victory last year came literally from I was playing in a Symmetra Tour event and I made the cut and finished my final round and had to fly out I think the next morning um and all my flights got delayed, so I ended up missing the practice round, flying in the night before, doing, like, a practice there, yeah. um, not on the course, and then playing the very next morning after getting off that plane, and that was my first invitational win. So I guess kind of that is something that I try and incorporate into my schedule, just that I have, like, that experience of going back-to-back and – um like you said, just a little bit of added pressure and I work well under that, I think. Yeah. Um, let's talk about college. Is college even on your radar? What is, um, what, what's your thought process there? Um, I think everything's kind of on my radar right now, college and all of that. I'm still not decided on what I'm going to do in the future, but um, I'm kind of open open to everything at this point. Um, we just started being able to communicate with college coaches again. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. Just not sure on what I'm going to do. Yeah. Have you gone through the process of visiting any schools or anything like that? Um, previous to the NCAA changing all of their rules um, yeah. and not being able to visit until junior year, I did do visits to a few schools and I was talking to coaches and then that all kind of stopped for years now. So, sure. Um, so if you were going to choose a college, would, what kinds of things would go into that decision for you personally? What kinds of things would you be thinking about or would be important to you making that decision? Um, especially when I was visiting schools and whatnot, I made sure that I wanted to go to a school that was okay with me having um professional dreams like there were some schools that really wanted you to just focus on college golf and I think your intentions for the future is something that has to be known with whatever college that you're talking to Mm -hmm. because you want to be going somewhere that's going to prepare you for that not hold you back from that and that was one thing that was really important to me when I was talking to schools and um yeah that was the main thing for me and then it was really nice getting to know all of the coaches and doing visits and seeing all their areas and stuff. There's some really impressive schools out there and I really enjoyed doing that, um, taking visits and whatnot. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about just your journey and maybe some of the things that you've learned along the way. 
Is there anything that stands out to you um, that just kind of as you reflect on your junior golf journey and path um, and experiences, is there anything that you kind of wish you would have known um, that would be good advice for any of the other young ladies that are out there that are up and coming? Um, You know, some things that maybe you just kind of had to figure out as you were going through the process that would have been helpful to know going in. Um, I think for me, the one thing that when I was younger, I wish I would have known is just to keep more to yourself and just keep working hard and, you're going to have a lot of people supporting you out there, like your coaches and your parents and whatnot. And those are the people that you really want to trust throughout golf. Um, And because it is kind of an, it's a very individual sport and it's very lonely. And so you want to have a team that you can trust and just stick with that and stay to yourself in that way. Um, Because never just never forget that it's an individual sport. Um, Yeah. And I think for me, I learned that kind of the hard way, but um, finding the right coach and the right people to surround you is super important. Um, yeah. having it be such an ind- individual sport. So what would be the, I mean, obviously I know the, the opposite of keeping to yourself would be not keeping to yourself. Right. But so like, what do you mean by, um, like, what, what does that mean exactly? Is that looking for outside validation? Is it looking for, you know, here's what somebody else is doing and I should be at that level or, you know, explain that a little bit further if you would. Yeah. Um, definitely don't look for validation from other people because you're never going to get it. And then the other thing is just like, don't listen to like everything that you hear. If you're seeing stuff online or like, other coaches that want to say something just like stay to yourself in that way is not take too much information from outside people and let that affect you. Yeah. Um, because everyone's going to want to tell you like what you should be doing differently and stuff like that. And I think for me learning to listen to myself that was surrounding me was like a big. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you've heard the term, I'm sure too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, Yeah. (laughs) you know, that could definitely be a scenario where you've got, you know, you're hearing, And I think it's a really important topic. I've actually talked about it on here before because I think that uh, young players and, you know, just kids in general are, you know, they are are wanting to please other people, right? They want to please parents. They want to please coaches, um, friends, you know, those types of things. So, um, you know, that's something that can be a struggle for young players is if they're hearing a lot of conflicting information from people that they do like and trust, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe some of those uh, pieces of advice are working against each other, right? Yeah, that's definitely why you have to have the right people around you that are going to support you and give you all the right information and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's talk about who inspires you and what inspires you. What was that? I was, I was going to ask you um, who inspires you or what inspires you just as a player? Um, as far as golfers go, I have been really inspired by Mickey Wright and of course, Tiger. Um, they're my two main inspirations for the golf swing, for golf game and everything. And then as far as like people in the LPGA that have really, I've wanted to be like when I grew up is definitely Morgan Pressel. She's been so kind to me and so many other junior golfers out there. And I think it's really important to have someone out there who's 
on the LPGA who's very supportive of junior golf and is so kind to people and trying to grow the game. And she's definitely inspired me in that sort of way that I want to be like that when I grow up, inspiring like younger generations and trying to grow the girls game like she has. Yeah. Um, what keeps you motivated, you know, as a player, not necessarily who, but or what, what keeps you, you know, pushing on to continue to try to be the best player um, and just overall competitor that you can be? Yeah, I got some advice from Mr. Toski, who's kind of my main, or he's not more of an instructor as he is kind of like one of my grandfathers. Um, But he's been so supportive to me. And he told me when I was younger, and I was having a lot of success that I have to never get tired of winning. And I've always remembered that because when you show up to a golf tournament, you have to remember that the goal is always to win and never forget that. And then I guess what keeps me motivated from every event is just like when you're so public at a young age, there's going to be a lot of people who have stuff to say about you and people who are always, you kind of have a target that like when people go to golf tournaments, that's, they want to beat you especially. And so I guess just hearing other people talk and trying to prove people wrong has ever since we did the short game and all of that, that's kind of motivated me ever since. So. Yeah. I was, um, was that a fun experience for you doing that? Um, that the short game? Yeah. It was, was amazing. Like? I'd yeah. do it again in a heartbeat. So Tell, for the audience that's listening that maybe doesn't know what that is. Can you explain it a little bit? was a documentary featuring I think eight of us um on our journey throughout the world championships when we were um seven and eight years old um it followed us throughout the U.S. kids journey and a bunch of us winning and I think my main part of it in it was just winning and also my friendship with Alan Kornikova at that time Mm-hmm. and so I think it's really great and it's really funny and I've gotten so many letters from people saying it inspired them and when I was offered to have my part in this movie my dad actually rejected it but he called back saying that the only reason we would do it is to try and inspire the younger girls to try and play golf and so seeing the feedback from people just getting tons of letters saying that it inspired them to pick up the game or motivated them in some sort of way um, was why we did it. And yeah. And I think I read somewhere that he made a comment about um, how it helped you a lot in terms of just your overall confidence and, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of put you out there in the spotlight. Right. So it it taught you, um, you know, just, I guess, how to act, how to behave, you know, what you're, how to, you know, produce better confidence and how to perform, um, you know, in a spotlight is, would you agree with that? Yeah. Um, I was super shy before I filmed that movie and it, when you play golf, most of it is going to be on camera and you learn how to be in that spotlight and doing interviews and stuff like that. And so that helped out so much for that since I was such a shy kid at that age and it really taught me a lot gaining confidence on and off the golf course so I'm super thankful for that that's awesome so where can you know because I'm sure that other people would take inspiration from this like you said that's the whole reason that you and your dad decided to 
uh, do it. Where can other families find this movie? Um, our movie is featured on Netflix, so okay. anyone who wants to watch it can watch it on Netflix. Okay, and it's called The Short Game, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so for any of you that are listening that you know want to watch an inspiring story and watch some young players and competing in the spotlight, um, you know, check out that movie. It could be something that your kids and, and you would enjoy watching together. Um, Alexa, it's been a lot of fun talking with you today. Something that I do at the end of the episode is give you as the guest an opportunity to fire a question or two back at me. Um, so this is obviously the first conversation that we've had, but, um, you know, just as we've kind of gone through this chat, uh, you know, a little bit about me and kind of my background, um, anything that stands out that you're curious about my opinion on, whether it be, you know, junior golf or professional golf or just, you know, my journey in general. Um, about that one. All right. I guess I'd say for, I guess this is a good question overall, but, um, what's your opinion on like kids finding coaches and whatnot and going through that? Because for me, that's been like a big part of my journey is finding the correct coach. And I think for anyone listening, that's going to be helpful for them. And so like, what's your opinion on kids finding like the correct coach to go through golf with? Um, Well, I think you talked about it a little bit. I share the same opinion in terms of, you know, it's, it's, you've got to build and develop a relationship based off of trust. And yeah, so I think that that's super important, but obviously, you know, you can't just roll up to somebody and like, see that I can trust them. Right. Like there has to be yeah. an experience there. So, um, you know, I think there's a fine line. I think there's a fine line of, you know, testing coaches and building some relationships and then, you know, the, kind of like you could go take that too far, which is kind of a little bit of what we talked about earlier, where then you got all these different opinions, right? So I think that, yeah, I think it's important to build and develop relationships regardless in life. Um, but when it relates specifically to, you know, a, a, an instructor, I think that that's important as well. And then at some point, you're just going to have to make a decision that I feel like this is the best decision for me. And that doesn't mean it's, you know, the last decision you'll ever make in the world um, around, you know, an instructor because things change. Um, but I think that you've got to make a decision and you've got to commit to it. And it's obviously got to be based off of trust. So, um, there's a lot of good coaches. There's a lot of good instructors. I think that if you're seeking a coach, um, one of the things that I've seen over the years that I think is really important is finding a coach that is going to take a full assessment of you as a player. And I mean, Mm -hmm. looking at things like, you know, your technical um, aspects of your game, but then also your physical aspects of your game. It's is specifically important for young players because as you're growing and developing, your body's changing and what you're capable of is changing and, you know, your flexibility and your mobility and, um, you know, those types of things are all factors. So yeah. I think that, you know, a coach, a good coach is going to look at all of that and work with what they have and not necessarily maybe try to mold a player into something specific, because I think we've seen that more and more. I don't know what your opinion is on this, but we've seen more and more that, you know, some of these players with 
really unique moves and unique swings. Just take a Matthew Wolf, for example. Um, you know, it, there's a lot of different ways to get it done. Right. So I yeah. think the the coach, you know, just kind of has to take all those things into account um, and have your best interest. Uh, I, I, I think that that's, you know, some good advice around, you know, trying to find an instructor, but what do you think? Um, yeah, I think your points are super good. And um, I think that's one of the more underrated important things in golf or junior golf in general, because there's probably so many kids out there working with an instructor, like you said, that's trying to change them or turn them into a mold, something that is just not going to work for them. And they don't even realize that. So um one thing I was super lucky with was that my dad's super thorough and finding me a great coach. And right now I've got two really good ones. And when you go from having one that isn't right for you and there isn't like a trust there, like you said, and you don't believe in what they're teaching you or it's wrong and going to someone who you do trust and who is doing the right things for you and adjusting to your swing, it makes a huge difference in like confidence and like, um just your overall game I've seen a huge difference from for me even going from the first to where I am now so yeah is that you know just because you've been through it is that a scary process um I mean I wouldn't say it's scary but I'm very stubborn so I guess when I get a feeling about someone or I feel that there's not trust there it's it's just not gonna work. Like I kind of decided that it wasn't going to, but making changes and going to new instructors after that is kind of scary because you have to have that trust with them that you're going to believe in what they're telling you. And because you never know when you're going to get kind of that wrong information, that's going to put you um, backwards in your golf game for however amount of time that it takes you to fix it so it is kind of scary when you're switching and trying to learn how to trust someone for sure yeah yeah so last question because because you're, you're making me think <laughs> as you're talking through this and just this last uh, you know piece of our conversation I think is really important all talking about you know finding the right instructor let's let's just talk quickly about uh, how important it is to know your own game. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, as we're talking through all this, I'm just thinking, you know, it gives a player an opportunity as you go from one instructor to another, and you're trying to find that right fit along the way, you're learning things about yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. And you're, you know, starting to figure out, especially as you're growing and you're developing, you're starting to figure out, you know, uh, how the body works a little bit better and, you know, how to manipulate the club face and, you know, those types of things. So uh, how important is it to be plugged in and almost be like a, you know, a a second check for your coach where you guys can almost work together because of you're able to give feedback that's going to then help that coach uh, work with you in a more productive way. Yeah. Um, to know what you're capable of in your swing and what you can bend and what you can't bend and stuff like that because there are certain things that your coach can look at and see but you're the one swinging and I'm a huge feel believer so you can feel certain things that I guess they can't see and so knowing things that you can change and you can't change is going to be really helpful when you're trying to take a lesson because if you're trying to force something that you know that you can't do 
it, it's not yeah. going to take you anywhere. And then the same way, if you know you're capable of something, but you're not getting there with it, it's knowing your own golf game is going to be super helpful in that because then you know that what you're doing isn't worthless and you should keep working towards that. But yeah, it is really important to, like you said, get to know like your own golf game and be that second check for your instructor for what like the eyes can't see. Cause I believe that like feel is a major part of golf or almost everything for me. And if you can't be that second check for your coach and what you're feeling, he's not going to be able to feel the golf swing for you. So for sure. For sure. Um, well, like I said, I really appreciate our conversation today. Any last words of advice that you have for the young players out there? Um, I mean, I guess I'd say just to keep working hard. And I hope that everyone who gets involved with the game tries to grow it as much as they can, because especially young girl golfers, we need it as much as possible. And so yeah. just anything you can do to pass it along. Um, for sure. Good deal. Well, Alexa, thanks a lot for your time today. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I really uh, enjoyed it. Good deal. Have safe, uh, safe travels back Thank to Florida. Thank you. Bye. All right. Take care. Well, that wraps up episode 49 of Junior Golf Keys this week with our guest, Alexa Pano. I uh, really appreciate you guys tuning in. Alexa, I appreciate you for your time. Um, if you guys took any value away from this episode, like I always ask, please share it. Please leave a review. Also, make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss out on some of the exciting guests that we've got coming up. And I hope you join me next week for another episode of Junior Golf Keys.